The Forum on Workplace Inclusion's 2021 podcast series is sponsored by Best Buy. More diversity in tech means more ideas that can change the world. Learn more at bestbuy.com slash more of this. The deadline to submit a proposal for the Forum's 2022 program year has been extended. The new deadline to submit a proposal is Monday, August 23rd. Submitting a proposal is the process we use to collect presentations to be considered for our program year, which is January through December. Our programs include our monthly webinars, podcasts like this one, our flagship 34th annual conference, and other special presentations. Proposals collected during this submission period will be for our 2022 program year. Again, the new deadline to submit a proposal for our 2022 program year has been extended to Monday, August 23rd. Visit forumworkplaceinclusion.org for more information and to submit a proposal. That's forumworkplaceinclusion.org. Donate to the forum. We get to engage people, advance ideas, and ignite change because of the generous support from our community. If you find our resources meaningful or valuable, please consider supporting the forum today. Visit forumworkplaceinclusion.org donate. That's forumworkplaceinclusion.org donate. Thank you very much for your support and generosity. With that, I'd like to say thank you to all our listeners and subscribers. You help support the growth of the podcast and reach new listeners. If you like what you're hearing on the Forum Podcast, please consider writing a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you've already written a review, thank you. Please consider sharing our podcast with a friend, family member, or a colleague you think might find value in the content. Word of mouth is the best way the Forum grows, so thank you very much for listening and sharing. Thanks again, and enjoy the show. Hello, and thank you for tuning in for today's special Forum on Workplace Inclusion podcast, Mastering Cultural Differences, Strategies for Leading a Global Workforce, continued with Louisa Drescher of Mastering Cultural Differences. I'm Ben Rue, Program Manager here at the Forum. This is a continuation of our May webinar, Mastering Cultural Differences for Leading a Global Workforce. If you haven't watched that yet, I would highly recommend you do. There were so many great questions that we weren't able to get to during the webinar, so Louisa was gracious enough to come back and answer a few of those. So let's get started. Welcome back, Louisa. We're so grateful to have you back here to answer some of these questions we weren't able to get to during the webinar. Well, thank you so much for inviting me. Uh, it's really a pr pleasure, Ben. Yes. Well, let's just um, hop on in with the first question, uh, which is, have you lived um, and or worked in several countries? I love that question. If let me just give you a little bit of a background on myself. If you will recall, you know, I was born and raised in Brazil. Mm -hmm. In a sense, this is an international experience for me. I always joke to my students uh, that mine is the longest study abroad experience on record. <laughs> I came here, you know, to pursue my graduate studies and then life happened. I met my husband and we will be celebrating our 35th wedding anniversary this coming August. Wow, congratulations. So, well, thank you, thank you. As far as international experiences, I, I, I worked in study abroad, so I was coordinating language programs in Spain and Mexico. So I took out groups of students through Spain, um, I would do that during the summer, and later on in a different capacity, I was taking students to Brazil. I, I also had a, a short-term assignment in Ukraine where I was working with women scientists. 
I was while there, I was teaching intercultural communication as well as project management. Later in my life, it seems I was always worked in some, you know, involved in some sort of international venture. So later, you know, as an assistant dean and director of international inclusion at Mitchell Hamlin School of Law, I, I took students to Japan and Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico is not a country, obviously, but it has a unique legal system. And that was the context under which I, I went to Puerto Rico. I went there with law students. And it's very different culturally, very, very different yes. culturally. It is like a country, it is a country all its own, uh, like culturally. Um, yes. So we've shown that you do have the credentials to be here talking about multiculturalism. Um, and, the, and the next question that we got, and this is a reference to a situation that you mentioned in, um, in, during the webinar where uh, a, someone can't reach, meet a deadline, um, but, they, but they, in order to save face, they, that they say that they can, or they don't say that they can't meet the deadline. Um, which impacts uh, which impacts the outcome or customer satisfaction. So what is the best way to address that without making the person feel like they need to assimilate to a different culture? Well, to answer that question, uh, um, there are two concepts I would like to address, uh, and then I'll share some strategies. The first concept that we need to understand is, is uh, a reluctance on the part of certain groups of saying no. Because in some cultures, it is inappropriate to say no, especially if it, to a supervisor. So the tendency is to soften a negative answer. For example, uh, individuals may answer a question with another question, or they may say, maybe it's possible i'll let you know even though they know it's not possible and there's also the possibility that yes simply means yes i hear you and not necessarily i agree with you and the other concept that and the, the individual asking the question mentioned already is the importance of saving face Saving face is a concept that is really frequently misunderstood in the West. In the US, we place nowhere near the emphasis on saving face as do most other cultures. For us in the US, telling the truth is more important. Honesty is the best policy. For individuals who, who place more importance on saving face, preserving the relationship is far more important. These individuals tend to say whatever the, the person asking the question wants to hear. So what do you do then? One of the things that I, that I, I would recommend is you need to start really practice reading between the lines. Observe the, the nonverbals because most of what is communicated is done through nonverbal channels. So you need to be to be good at that, reading between the lines. What is, is what is he really trying to say? And then instead of asking yes or no questions, provide choices because you know ahead of time that it will be hard for that, that individual to say no to you. So a better possibility is, for example, to ask, 
how many days do you need to finish the project? Uh, instead of, will the project be done by tomorrow? Because this would require a yes or no answer. So if you give them choices, uh, that would, you know, really, you know, ha have a better outcome for you. And finally, <clears throat> excuse me, I, I want to say that training goes both ways. As a supervisor, as a manager, you need to understand cultural differences. There's no question about that. Uh, but as, as part of their onboarding program, international employees also need to be coached on what is expected of them. That is a really great point. And thank you for that. Now, uh, the next question is, can one really be culturally competent if culture happens on a continuum? It's a great question. The way I and other scholars define cultural competence, cultural competence is a three-part process. First, you, you need to realize that differences exist. Uh, believe it or not, some individuals do not. Uh, next, you need to know what those differences are. You actually have to gain knowledge about that. And third, you need to be able to adjust your behavior accordingly. It's the proverbial, when in Rome, do as the Romans do. But this is not a skill that you will acquire overnight. It's not gonna happen. It will require daily and persistent work on your part. Let's say, for example, I, will, I give you a book on how to juggle. Um, will be juggling 101. And then, and then I tell you, after you read it, we'll come back and we expect a performance. It's not going to happen, like very likely, because just because you read about a technique, it does not mean you'll be able to perform it. You will need to practice and practice and practice until you're able to master that skill. It's the exact same thing with cultural competence development. You have to practice until you become good at it. It is what we call um, code switching. Mm, yeah. so it's when you go seamlessly from one cultural orientation to another. At first, you may have to keep reminding yourself, but eventually, you know, those switches will come naturally. Um, imagine also, you know, you know, if if you are learning how to dance and then you are dancing but you're still counting on your head one two three one two three one two three eventually you will not have a need to count anymore it will come the moves will come naturally to you so it's the exact same thing you know with cultural competence development and because cultures are always changing and evolving we will always have to work at it I, the way I see it, cultural competence is a process. It's not a destination. That is a great way to think about it. And I was, yeah, I was thinking, yeah, culture is constantly changing. There's like, they're not they're not stagnant. Um, so you do have to be constantly um, involved in um, thinking about it and um, yeah. Absolutely. And yeah, and constantly practicing and, you know, and always learning. I feel like that's the one um, con 
the one constant in life is that you're continually learning and yeah, absolutely are continually they're always, yeah there are always new things yeah i've been doing this for over 20 years ben and i'm still learning so <laughs> i i'm yeah i was gonna say um <laughs> cultures are constantly evolving and i personally love learning new things and love and am a pra love practicing new things so that you know good great yeah great. that's uh the one but yeah yeah it's always evolving um can you share how someone might have to ha might have to handle several of these cultural differences at the same time or setting as in having to communicate with several cultural style or having to communicate with several cultural styles at the same time so like a lot of code code switching at once well <laughs> The days of a monocultural workplace are over. As I shared during the webinar, our society, and by default, our workplaces, our organizations, our educational institutions, we're all becoming increasingly more diverse, either because of demographic changes that are happening or because of globalization. So chances are you will have different cultures present in your workplace. And if you work in a global organization, you will likely have team members all from all over the world. Unfortunately, there is no easy answer for this situation. You will have to learn about the distinct cultures that you work with. Uh, because once you learn, you're going to work better with that individual. And also, you have to become good at what I mentioned earlier, you know, code switching, so you can behave appropriately with each group you work with. It's, and so you, you know exactly where they're coming from. And again, this is something that takes practice and effort but it does happen, it will happen. You just have to keep working at it. And remember the dance metaphor I used, eventually you will no longer need to count the steps in your head. The more you do it, the more you practice, the better you'll be at it. Thank you for that. And you also mentioned, um, which struck me as, uh, it's a two-way street um, about, you know, this other cultures should learn about your culture as well like if you're a manager or you know yes. like, yeah like with onboarding yes you you want to learn about their culture but it, it is okay to encourage them or expect them to learn about the culture they're coming into as well or oh, you know. absolutely so that you can perform well yes your success will depend on it on your ability to code switch to to change your behavior uh accordingly that's what will make you successful yeah and yeah but, but understanding on all sides um, absolutely uh well thank you for that and what are some good i know this is going to be a good one so what are some <laughs> good resources for better understanding these cultural differences um how can i best prepare myself for interacting respectively with colleague respectfully with colleagues from other countries well I would start with my book, you know, Mastering <laughs> Cultural Differences. And the reason I'm saying that is because uh, 
I share in that book that this book is designed actually to answer this specific question because I share why we need to master cultural differences. And I also, you know, in, in, throughout the book, there are many chapters where I cover important cultural differences impacting today's workplaces. I also have cultural incidents where I show how the how the theory of, you know, uh, where you can see, you know, the cultural difference in real in a real life situation and how it impacts, you know, the workplace. And I also included a lot of tips on how you can work with, you know, those cultural differences. And on the back of the book, you'll find a lot all the resources that I used while doing my research, as well as, you know, seven uh, of my own articles that are available online. So if individuals want, all you have to do, email me and I'll happily share the link with you. Now, how to best prepare, start working on your cultural competence skills. And in fact, uh, chapter nine of my book, you know, I focus on the skills you need to work effectively across differences and how you can start developing your cultural competence and skills. The key is just get started uh, and keep moving in that direction. And, and, you know, as far as my book, you know, it's still 50% off. All you have to do is just, you know, follow the link. Um, so we start there, but email me if you'd like, you know, a couple of my shorter articles, I'll be more than happy to do that. Thank you for that and, and for sharing that. Um, and can you, you mentioned on the back of the book, there was, you shared resources that you uh, use. Could you uh, share a few of those resources that you use? Oh God, you know, there's close to a hundred of them. Uh, I would say one, um, individuals that are very, you know, well-known in this, um, in the intercultural world, I would say Hofstad. Um, if you look for for his publications, several of his publications, that will be a great start. Um, anything that Edward T. Hall wrote, that's classic. You know, you you know, it's a great way to start. Um, and he 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 he's very likely the father of the intercultural world. So, and his books are great and fun to read. There is also uh, resources, you know, anything that Milton Bennett and Janet Bennett have written, those are classic uh, pieces that you need, you know, you, you should start reading them. So if you Google those names, Hofstad, Bennett, and, and Edward T. Hall, you you would be in great shape. Wonderful, thank you so much, and thank you for those wonderful suggestions, and for you know, and for writing this book to help so many people with this, what can be a very difficult um, subject and some very difficult thing to do. Um, yeah, I, I, I wanted it to be a, a practical, uh, with lots of tips. As my, my publisher said, imagine a, a, someone who's very busy reading the book uh, on, in an airplane from point A to point B. They don't have much time. So that's why, you know, you know there are tips and case studies. 
uh, and it was it is you know I why you needed and why you need to do to to get there. Thank you. And I mean, the why is more and more evident every day. Um, you mentioned with globalization and just the changing demographics in the workplace. This is such an important topic to be able to um, communicate and work effectively and respectively with your, you know, colleagues from different cultures. Absolutely. I don't think there we have any choice anymore. No. We all need to be cultural competent individuals uh, if we want to work well because our workplaces are they are more diverse now and that's that that's a fact diversity is a fact of business that's not going to change well it's a fact of life now too Absolutely. I mean, I, you know it's it's a skill that spills well past the workplace and you know into communities because you know the neighborhoods are diversifying all over the country and the world um and so yeah this is just such an amazing skill to have and such a very necessary skill which is why again i'm so happy that you came back and um gave us a chance to answer some of these questions that we weren't able to get to so thank you for that um i'm I'm a little bit bummed that this is the last question, um, but I think it's the perfect question to end on. It is, how can I help my peers be more culturally competent? Yeah, again, that's another great question. And it will really depend on where they are developmentally. Um, and first, you know, cultural competence development starts within, in other words, the first, the very first step that we need to take is to develop our own self-awareness. You need point. to know, you know, you need to know what are your biases are, what you believe in, what your values are, what your stereotypes, your prejudice, your privileges, because we all have privileges. Could be, you know, in age, in, in, in the language, in, in our ability level. So you need to have a good sense of that. And you also need to understand how these characteristics, how these identity pieces will impact your thinking and your behavior. Um, to develop cultural competence, there are actually six stages that we go through. And each stage will require a different set of interventions. So I, I wrote a, an article for, for NACADA. NACADA is the Na National Academic Advising Association. And it was focusing on how to prepare advisors to work effectively across differences. In other words, uh, the target audience was you know, individuals who, are, uh, who were developing training, uh, who were helping advisors become more culturally competent. And in the article, um, um, I, you know, I described for each stage, there are different uh, uh, interventions that 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 we can take. Um, if individuals would like, if you you can email me, and I'll be more than happy to send you a copy of that article, because that's a step step by step process um, showing if your individual is, you know, if you're in stage one. These are the things that you can do and as opposed to individuals who are in stage five. These are the interventions that you can use. So 
feel free to email me at requesting a copy of the Nakada article, and I'll be more than happy to share that. Thank you so much, Louise. And that's such a great point about, um, you know, really looking inward um, and making sure, I think of the phrase, making sure your house is clean before, you know, um, going to going to judge others that, you know, that before, yeah, before we can help our peers with our cultural competence, we have to make sure that we're, we ourselves are culturally competent. Absolutely. Yeah. Self-awareness is number one. You have to start there. It's a great place to start. And I think a great place to end. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, to end this conversation anyway, it uh, doesn't end there, but it, it, it does end this conversation. Um, I just want again to thank you so much for coming back, Louisa. It was such a pleasure to talk to you as always. And thank you for sharing all these wonderful resources. I am going to share Louisa's um, email and also uh, going to be sharing the link that she described or uh, the link that she mentioned uh, um, for the book and for that discount. Um, so definitely keep an eye out for that. And again, thank you so much, Louisa, for coming back. It was such a pleasure. I am really honored and um, thank you for inviting me back. Oh, of course, of course, our pleasure. Thank you again. Have a great day. Thank you so much, Louisa, for coming back for this wonderful podcast and answering these important questions. And thank you to our listeners for joining. If you'd like to learn more about Mastering Cultural Differences, you can email Louisa directly at louisa at masteringculturaldifferences.com. We've also included the link to her website in the description. New episodes of the Forum podcast are available at forumworkplaceinclusion.org forward slash podcast. Episodes can also be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, and Stitcher. Thank you again for listening. Have a great day. Thank you again for listening to the Forum and Workplace Inclusion podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast to get updates and the latest episodes. Also, tell us what you think by reviewing our podcast. We'd love to hear your feedback. For more information, visit us at forumworkplaceinclusion.org or search Workplace Forum on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Thank you very much and have a great day. The Forum on Workplace Inclusion podcast is recorded at Augsburg University in Minneapolis, Minnesota. One of the most diverse private colleges in the Midwest, Augsburg University offers more than 50 undergraduate majors and nine graduate degrees to 3,400 students of diverse backgrounds at its campus in the vibrant center of the Twin Cities and nearby Rochester, Minnesota location. Augsburg educates students to be informed citizens, thoughtful stewards, critical thinkers, and responsible leaders. And Augsburg education is defined by excellence in the liberal arts and professional studies, guided by the faith and values of the Lutheran Church, and shaped by its urban and global settings. Learn more at augsburg.edu.